welcome to Peaceful Ease. We all have the necessary strength and wisdom to solve most of our problems. What we often lack is a quiet space to think clearly and calmly. This podcast is all about tapping into that zone of inner wisdom. My name is Mario Pereca, and I'd like to invite you to join myself and Ela Crane every Monday and Friday. We'll be here to guide you to that endless power and insight within until you learn how to get there and function from there by yourself. This is a journey about being authentic, learning how to trust your instincts, realizing that each and every one of us are not just enough, but also perfect the way we are right now. Hey everyone, Mario Pereca here, joined once again by Ela Crane, and welcome to the Peaceful Ease podcast. I want to remind everyone that you can reach out to us at hello at peacefulease.com via email, or give us a call, 424-625-5562 is the number, again, 424-625-5562, the Peaceful Ease hotline, let us know what's on your mind, and let your voice be part of the Peaceful Ease podcast experience as well. And but for today's show, I want to give people a little behind the scenes look at how this works, just to kind of because we're now rocking and rolling into double digit episodes, so things are going well, and we're getting a lot of feedback from people. So how this works is Ela and I hop on the line, we go over correspondence from listeners, from people who reach out to us, and then Ela has this online board that she keeps topics on. And so anytime she's reading, talking to someone that interesting, something interesting pops up, we get an email, she puts something on the board. And so I'll ask Gila, I'll say, what's our next topic that we want to discuss? And she'll open the board and she'll throw one thing out and then she'll change her mind into something else. And then we'll rearrange things and we'll finally land on something that sounds interesting. And today we jumped through one or two things and we made it to the point where Gila works with a lot of couples. She works with couples and people in relationships, and there is a habitual pattern that comes up a lot that each of us tend to have that adds to the dynamic of the relationship that I thought was really fascinating the way she explained it to me. And when she said, I have this written down, she started talking about it. I said, that's super interesting. And then she said, yes, that's it. That's what we're going to talk about. So I'm going to turn it over to Ela and let her explain exactly how she explained it to me. And then we can kind of get into a deeper conversation because I think it's just a fascinating dynamic, especially if you have a significant other, you're going to want to hear this. So Ela, it's all yours. Thank you, Mario. I love our process though. It's very kind of spontaneous, you know. <laughs> it's organic. Exactly. Yeah. So when I work with couples, there's one thing that kind of comes up again and again, a way of dealing with each other, which creates additional problems on top of the current challenges. And it's very easy to release and address that and respect the differences. So I just want to cover that in this episode, because I think it's very useful. And that's coming from habitual behavior. So when we are faced with a challenge, there are three ways that we often respond to that challenge. And one is, for most people, is a dominant way, but it's not exclusive. So you can all do the three ways depending on the situation, but generally one is your dominant way. So let me give you an example. For example, your partner, husband or wife messaged you saying, we have to talk with an exclamation mark. So there are three ways to respond to this. One, 
you could just become invisible, which means you pretend you didn't receive the message. You're like, oh, you didn't see it. <laughs> so kind of delaying the issue and hoping that it will disappear and that the anger will subside and by the time you get home, everything will be okay. And this is quite common among men, you know, just wait until the problem goes away. <laughs> Yeah, it's that one. And I hate getting that one via text because it's like, we have to talk or we have to talk. Which one is it? <laughs> you yeah. want to know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's an uneasy message to get. So it's like what? We have to talk four words, but four words, they bring up a lot of feelings. I know. And it's really up to your interpretation. You know, it could be, hey, we have to talk. You know, we have to talk. Now, I've gotten some news, but we don't know. And generally, the fear kicks in, so we think about something negative. But this is assuming that this is something negative, or we think that's something negative. So this example is like what you do when you're faced with a potential challenge. One, you become invisible. Two, you kind of go into this compromise or negotiation mode. You instantly message back saying, of course, my love, like, where can we meet? What time do you want to eat? Like, where would you like to go? What can I do? It's just immediately you want to solve the problem, overcome the issue, make things smooth again. You know, it's just like this negotiation mode. Like, let's find a midpoint generally. This is the way. And the third one is when you rebel against this message. You know, you get angry because, you know, your partner is going to criticize you and she or he always does that and you had enough and, you know, as if like everybody is perfect, but you, you don't get enough respect and all that kicks in and then you get angry. So these are just three ways. One of them we often repeat. We can switch back and forth, like I said, but generally we have a dominant way. For me, I'm a negotiator, for example, and my husband's generally goes invisible and waits until things are calmer. <laughs> and this creates a conflict because I'm open. If I get a message like this, my reaction is like, okay, let's talk about it. When and where? Just tell me. Whereas if I send a message like this, it would be like not replying for hours. And that then creates this conflict within like, oh, he doesn't want to talk about it or he ignores me and all that. And it creates further issues. And if you just ask yourself, which one of these kind of apply to you, and then define what your partner does often, you will see the difference. And then you will understand that when such things happen, it's just like everyone is going back to the habitual way of dealing with conflict. And neither of these or none of these ways are right or wrong. It's just different. Your way may be better for you. Like I would say, oh, negotiation is much better than not replying. And that's why I do it. But for the other person, you know, he would have a different argument saying, no, like not replying immediately is good because with time, emotions settle down and we can talk calmer. So all of these have their own logic. So I ask you, Mario, which one are you first? Oh, I'm absolutely the same as you. I'm the negotiator. I love to talk. Like when there's something that's not right, I want to talk about because I first and foremost, one of my core values that I've become aware of is that I'm a communicator. 
So I like to talk things out and I don't like to leave in one of the things that gets me in trouble a lot is I don't like to leave the conversation until the problem is solved. So like when we start talking, my significant other, my girlfriend can just be done once she gets it out. But it's not enough for me to get it out. I want the problem solved. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, she'll say it and then she's ready to move on. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We need to figure this out. And it drives me crazy. And she's like, well, we're not going to figure it out right now. And I'm like, but I can't just leave. We need to keep talking until it is, until it's solved. And so that's, yeah, I'm definitely the negotiator. And I love, I really need to communicate and have that, that communication happen. Mm-hmm. She's more of like you said, like your husband, where she just kind of wants to let it settle, let it go. And hopefully maybe it'll dissipate. Sometimes it does. And sometimes you need to come back to it. But yeah, we have the same similar dynamic yeah we suffer from the same condition (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. i like there'll be times when she's like we have to talk but she doesn't want to talk like right now and i'm like okay let's do it and she's like later let's get i'm like i can't go do other things now this is all i'm going to be thinking about let's just do it i'm with you (laughs) yeah (laughs) so i i mean it's the different ways we communicate right but like i said i like to communicate i like to talk it through i have the belief that if you really talk it out, pretty much any problem can be solved with open communication. It's just getting to that point and understanding how other people communicate and being able to communicate in the way in which they communicate and vice versa that makes it difficult, makes it, tri- I don't want to say difficult, but tricky and challenging. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I can relate to what you say so much. All my life, I thought like by talking, we can just solve any problem anywhere. Yeah. But when I started to coach, I realized it's not about problem solving. It's about being with the other person, mm-hmm. giving them the space just to express their emotions. Mm-hmm. And people, even with friends, sometimes they just want to talk about the issues, the problems, and they need someone to be there saying, I understand you, I know what you feel, without saying, oh, that's nothing, let me tell you what happened to me, you know, (laughs) or without someone saying, why don't you try this, it may work. We don't want advice, sometimes we don't, we need time to find our own solutions. What we need is someone to be there with us during this process. It's funny, I do that quite often, so I'm glad you brought that up, because Like I said, I'm a communicator, so there are times when, in the past, this used to make my girlfriend angry, but now she understands and it's all good, but I would get her and I would be like, start explaining things, and she'd be like, I'm not dumb, I know this stuff, I know, why are you telling me? It's like, I'm not telling you to teach you, I'm telling you because I need to hear myself say this stuff, because that's how I process. So there are times when I'll just go get her and I'll say, just stand there and listen. And just by the reaction in her face as I talk and hearing myself say it, it leads me to insights. Like, I don't really need her feedback. I just need her to listen. Yeah, that's the thing. And I learned this from my teacher in Scotland, Lama Yeshe Rinpoche, because when I go and see him, He just sits there and he listens. I can talk like 20 minutes, no interruption. And he he would just listen. And then he would ask me a question, which would lead me to the answer, which I already knew. But it would feel like, wow, I just discovered this answer because he gave me the space to say it out loud. 
even though I already knew it, as if he he let me to go through my misery and then just come to the conclusion by myself. And that's the attitude I try to kind of apply with every relationship, every friendship. Just watch people, find their own paths, find their own answers without any judgment. And even if they say, okay, I know what's right for me and do the wrong thing, well, it's fine. It's a part of the process. Do not judge. And it takes a lot of training. But once you get there, then you really build these deep relationships with your friends and loved ones because you make them feel that you love that person, not because he or she does the right thing, but because they are doing their best at all times. And you respect and love their mistakes as well as their achievements and accomplishments. That's the higher level of love. That's a love that's despite, not because of. Absolutely. So let me ask you this question. Have you ever had a client that you're working with, you're coaching, that comes to you and says, Ela, look, you know the story. I told you all about it. Just make the decision for me. Just what should I do? Tell me what I, what would you do if you were me? Do you ever get those types of questions from clients? <laughs> not often, but sometimes. I generally get that more like with friends and family. What would you do if you were in my shoes, for example? And I used to say, like, I wouldn't be in your shoes in the first place. <laughs> and they would get irritated. Yeah, well, let's assume you were. What would you do? And I would tell them, like, okay, I will do this. And watch them go and do that. And it will work. But then the next step, the second or the third step, they would take a step that is them, you know, not me, basically. It's them walking this path. And then things would go awkward again, and then they would come back again. And I realized it doesn't matter how many times I say what I would do. First of all, I may not always be right. But even if I was, then it becomes like me walking somebody on their own path. And then it's not their journey anymore. So I completely stopped that, even with friends and family. And it's sometimes so hard because you watch someone. It's like seeing a child running towards a campfire with a hand reaching out to touch the fire. And you scream almost like saying, don't, you're going to burn yourself. But you can't do more than that. You can just give that warning. And if that child listens, he would stop. If not, you will experience the fire and then learn. And there is nothing we can do. Even though we want to be protective of our loved ones, we can't just create a bubble, like a lab, to keep them safe and just protect them from life, basically. So it's a painful process. But when applied, it creates a lot of respect with one another. And to answer your question, if a client was asking me that, like saying, okay, make the decision for me, then I would go into, why are you afraid to make the decision for yourself? What is the fear behind making this decision? What do you think you would lose? And what would happen if you lose that? 
Because most of the time we are afraid of failure. If you think, what would happen if I failed in this? It's often not a disaster scenario. It's just, it will feel bad, you know, but you'll just shrug and get up and try again in a different way. That's good. So, yeah, I was curious on how you'd handle that because I know that a lot of coaches, they're taught not to give the answers. And that's really the way it should be. You're just supposed to be a guide. And you help the person actually guide themselves just by asking the question, the thoughtful listening and questions that you ask. Absolutely, because I don't know the answers for you. I mean, I barely know the answers for myself, to be honest. It's a learning process. You know, every test, every challenge, I find out whether my answer that I came up with was right or wrong. And this is how it is, in my opinion. So if I can help people to have the confidence in themselves to try out for themselves, then I've done my job. And to kind of come full circle, you talk about the different ways that we communicate and dialogue and get that going back to that first question, we have to talk. So, you know, what are your recommendations between, because what was the third one that you mentioned? Because we talked about the first two. What was the third one? We talked about all three. So you either become invisible, right? you try to compromise or negotiate, or you rebel. Oh, you rebel. Okay. That was the other one. So that's the one where you put that emotion forward front and center. Yes. Like you just say, this can't happen. and Yeah. And if you kind of define which one you kind of choose the most and your partner chooses the most often, then you see the differences and then you can respect that and handle that way and just realize that, hey, this is just different ways of dealing with the same thing. Like neither of us want conflict, but we just handle it in different ways. Great stuff, Ela. Thank you as always. Very profound, very insightful, very thoughtful. Is there anything you want to leave listeners with as far as a question, an activity, an idea before we wrap up this episode? Yeah. Define this for yourself and for your partner and email me. I would love to hear from you and any insights, any questions, just let me know. And that email address is hello at peacefullease.com. And you can also call us. So if you want to call and actually have your voice be part of the show, 424-625-5562 is the number. And by the way, if you call and you don't want your question on the show, you can say that in your message. We'd still love to hear from you and actually hear your voice. And then we can just reiterate what you said. But if you don't mind having your voice be in the show, just call and leave us a message and we will played in the show and Ela can answer it or address your question or your comment live on the air. 424-625-5562 is the Peaceful Ease hotline. Ela, thank you as always. This has been so much fun and I can't wait for our next episode. Thank you, Mario. For Ela Crane, I'm Mario Pareca. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you next time on the very next episode of the Peaceful Ease podcast. Thank you for listening to the Peaceful Ease podcast. If this episode resonated with you, please share it with friends and family. Remember, the bigger the support, the more fun the journey becomes. If you'd like to get in touch with Ela, you can reach out to her at peacefulease.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Until next time, be kind to yourself.